welcome. Welcome to the While My Batteries Charge podcast. Join us as we talk about all things radio controlled. And now, your host. Folks, this man, he is the king. Mr. CCXRC himself. Tony CC. Tony CC. Hey guys, welcome to another While My Batteries Charge podcast. That intro still makes me shake my head when I listen to it. Uh, the guy added that whole thing in there about the king and CCXRC himself. I sent him a script and he uh, he went rogue. And it was funny at the time, but now i got to listen to it every intro. Anyway, we're going to have a great episode today. Uh, we have Kevin Hetmansky here with us. Uh, and we're going to do a little RC kind of profile with him and find out uh, what got him into the hobby. He's been in it for a while now, and we've read his articles, we've seen his builds, and I'm just curious what got you into this, man. So welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I love doing this stuff. It's a lot of fun. All right. So right off the bat, what what was it that got you into RC? Uh, when was it? And what held you in it, I guess? Well, uh, yeah, it goes back to 1986. Uh, when my sister's boyfriend at the time uh, came to visit us, and uh, he brought with him a Tamiya Frog. Um, now, I had had radio-controlled cars, you know, in the past, but they were the cheap Radio Shack ones, you know, not that great. But I thought they were incredible. I loved them. Um, then this frog, you know, um, got introduced to me. And to me, that was the greatest thing I ever saw. It looked awesome. It was big. It had working suspension, you know, it was the most unbelievable thing I ever saw. And right then and there, I knew I had to get involved in it. Um, begged my parents, you know, a, a lot, uh, to, you know, get me one. Um, and, and actually it's, they didn't get me one. I just needed permission to get one. I was actually working at the time, believe it or not. I used oh, nice. to do, yeah, I used to do a little side job on the weekends where I'd make some money. So I basically put all my money away and saved up and, and eventually they said, all right, let's try it out. And they let me get my frog. Um, I got it at Brantford hobbies and Brantford hobbies was, do you remember what you paid right. for it? No, I bet you it's the same amount of money it is today. Yeah. The frog is not expensive. It's, okay. it's, it's cheap. Yeah. I'm, I'm willing to bet it's, it's not, not much less than it is right now. And I have one at the shop too. Um, but yeah, so, you know, went, went to Brantford hobbies, like almost every day while I was saving up my money and I just stared at cars, you know, the guys were nice enough to let me hang out. Uh, and that's also at the same time I discovered RC car action magazine. Um, they had the third issue ever on the shelf at the time. And there was a big monster truck on the cover and again, you know, blown away by hobby grade radio control. And so I picked up the magazine to see that monster truck and guess what? There was no monster truck inside. Oh no. But, yeah. But I've been reading uh, car action since the third issue ever. Uh, so that was my, was it an you know, RC monster truck on the cover or yeah, just like yeah, a real the, one? The big Grizzly. No, the big Grizzly was on the cover. And the cool thing is after working there for so long and, and doing what we've done, I actually have the slide of that image for that cover at my house. So which I think do you know awesome. why? So since you, you've worked there now and you know, do you ever find out why there was a picture on the cover, but no, <laughs> I, I yelled at them for it, but I never got an answer on it. Okay. You know, I think they just wanted a cool cover and, and that was it. Uh, that truck I think ended up being in the magazine eventually, but not in okay. the issue that I got. So yeah, I definitely yelled at them for that <laughs> when I funny. got there. That was, yeah, it's one of those things. Misleading. But, yeah, Mis it was misleading for sure. <laughs> but it got me to pick up car action and, and you know, I've been reading it uh, ever since. And then, you know, so the, yeah, the Tamiya Frog was it. And I remember going home and building it and, uh, 
And, and I remember two things about building it, the smell of the thread lock that they used to give you and the smell of the patch of paint that I used to paint the body. And that's okay. what I remember about building it. Had an absolute blast. And when I got it done, it was the coolest thing in the world to me. Yeah. Loved it. What colors yeah. did you and paint I it? Uh, I painted it red. Okay. Just red and that was it. Uh, put a bunch of stickers on it. I took pictures of it on my carpet. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. That's awesome. Yeah. Loved it. And then, you know, my parents thought it would last a month and now you own a hobby shop. So who was right? <laughs> That's a, a long span there. So yeah. how long, I mean, you just kept using it every day or did you buy another one you were working at the time or? Well, like, yeah, you know, yeah, I was working doing my side job and all that and reading car action magazine and using my frog every second I could. Uh, and then the Tamiya Cloudbuster was introduced and I was like, uh, you gotta be kidding me. Look how big that thing is. And it looks yeah. like a real truck. And, and so again, saved my money and i actually there was a picture of the cloudbuster in car action magazine it was a rear three-quarter view and it was just the coolest thing in the world to me i cut it out of the magazine i put it on the wall and i stared at it every day while i saved up my money to buy one and i remember See, walking out of the hobby shop with it It was the biggest box ever and yeah. the best day ever now yeah. that is um one of those things that you i don't know that this generation gets like the whole mm -hmm. cutting it out of a magazine and sticking yeah. it on a board or uh, taping it to a folder or, yeah. you know, they, we putting it on the underside of your desk. That was all the kind of stuff we used to do, but they just look at everything digitally for the most part yep. now. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have that fun anymore. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, what are you going to do? So you got a cloud buster. Did you keep it or is it something you still have in your possession or no? You know, I wish I was smart enough to keep that stuff, but who knew where I was going to say gonna that go one with would be mint if you had it yeah. still. Yeah, it would be awesome to have that still. But I did a lot of modifying, you know, it yeah. got different paint jobs. I painted all the plastic parts white. I, I put a, a A-scale Camaro body on it, which now looks really goofy, but back then it got me a trophy. So, you know, okay. but I did truck pulling with it and I modified it, put a four-link suspension on it. I did all kinds of cool stuff to that truck and I had a blast. Nice. So... You've mentioned RC car action. You you started in the hobby with the frog, and then you got your Cloudbuster. What was the evolution of going from those initial beginnings in the RC hobby to writing for RC car action? Like, how did uh, that come about? Yeah, that's a, a interesting thing as well. You know, growing up and reading the magazine and building all these cool vehicles that I thought was cool. Uh, you know, they had reader's rides and I always tried to get my cars into reader's rides, but of course I didn't know what to do for, you know, how to take photos and all that stuff. So I never made it in, uh, but car action was always king to me. And I learned one day that they weren't too far from where I lived Oh wow! Uh, and I, it blew my mind. I was like, Holy cow, they're not even far away. Um, and you know, I, I was always in the back of my mind through the years, you know, of, of my evolution of, of the hobby, you know, um, I was racing at, uh, JP's hobbies in Seymour. And, um, they showed up one day mm. to come and race and, you know, try stuff out and do what they do. Right. Yeah. And I knew right then and there, whether I liked them or not, they were going to be my best friends. <laughs> and, and that's what I did. I worked really hard at making them understand what I know, what I can do, that I'm willing to do anything to do what they need. You know, anything I needed to do, I would do to get, to be a part of the team. You mentioned racing. Is that a scene that you were a part of? Did you get into the whole oh, race yeah. scene? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. My frog, um, Believe it or not, I raced my frog. Brantford Hobbies, uh, if I remember correctly, they had a track that they built. It was an oval, and it had a kind of a uh, elevation change to it and everything. And they did it for one year and one year only. So um, I took my frog. I brought it to the track. I had an absolute blast. 
I raced it there. And the one thing I remember is running my frog up the hill one day and an RC 10 went by me about a million miles an hour. So, you know, um, that made me want to get an RC 10. Yeah, I um, bet. But, but yeah, you know, racing was a, a big thing for me too. I really enjoyed it. Uh, had fun. I raced at uh, Brantford hobbies the one year I raced at Wallingford indoor, uh, Wallingford indoor, something, uh, raced at Clayton's in North Haven raced at, at uh, was it new um, extreme in new Milford Pinchop hobbies, RC madness all over. Mm. Um, and I had an absolute blast doing it. And the one thing I learned really early in my racing career was to just go and have fun. Winning will come eventually. You know, I'm not, I yeah. wasn't going there to win. I was going there to have fun. And, and I eventually, you know, I did very well based on, you know, the, the, the learning that I've done with the setup and everything and, and so on. But yeah, yeah, yeah. racing's a blast and I love doing it to this day. I got a track in my backyard. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I had one in my backyard for a little bit. Nothing, nothing fancy, but it just got destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to keep up on that uh, stuff. It's not easy. So, um, yeah. Well, the, we had a new septic system put in, and so that just kind of yeah. <laughs> they leveled it with their big equipment. Um, it'll get rebuilt. Uh, so, so you you met them at the track. You became best friends with them somehow. Yeah, whether they liked it or not, I was going to be their friend. And yeah. and how did you make that friendship work? Well, you know, it, one of the things that happened was is, um, we got to the point where we were friendly enough with them to hang out with them after racing. So. Uh, one night, uh, me and a couple guys went down to the photo studio. One of those guys being Derek from Velocity RC. Uh, okay. I worked with him back in the day, and we we even did car action together for a little bit. Um, and then I don't know if anybody remembers Chris Tossolini. He was an on-road guy. I did very well uh, in his scene. He was racing A-scale on-road. Uh, we all went down to the photo studio one night to hang out. And to me, that was the like going to Disneyland. I couldn't believe it. And uh, walking around there and seeing all the stuff that was in the magazine. And, and, uh, it was at the time when they had the Cloudbuster and the USA one in the cake and they were doing the thing with the cake getting thrown around and all that. And uh -huh. those trucks were at the, sh at the photo studio. And to me, that was unbelievable. Like oh, here man. they are and they're still covered in cake cause the guys were lazy. Um, so I remember and people leaving. don't get it. Like, so like people that may be younger and listening or watching this right now, like radio and magazine people, in my, in, at least in my head, were such a big thing, like mm -hmm. the things that you saw in the magazine. So I'm, I'm picturing and in hearing you talk about the cars that were in the magazine and then seeing them like in real life, and and that yeah. was a totally real thing. Like, yeah, you, it was you, unbelievable. You'd pedestal this stuff way bigger than we even th even knew it was. Yeah, um, yeah, no, it it was huge to see. <laughs> and not only were those trucks there, but they were still covered in cake, and that to me was the coolest thing ever. But I remember leaving that night and, and we were hanging out with John Hal, you know, Doogie, we call him. Um, we were hanging out with Doogie. And when I was almost um, all the way out the door, I said, hey, why don't you guys think about, you know, doing an article like this, this and this? And he said, write it. And that was it. That was my in. Yeah. You know, so I did the best job I possibly could. And I wrote a door uh, article on how to hinge doors, open doors, cut them out, hinge them and um, add some realism to your truck way back in, you know, what, 93, 94, something like no. 96 ish sorry so so you know, what would you doing, have been hinging what what was the truck you were hinging i took a uh to me a blackfoot body okay and made a crew cab out of it and i hinged the door so they could open it and have a full interior and it was sitting on top of a bruiser chassis so you know pretty cool stuff back in the day right they, yeah. they didn't do anything like that back then now it's the you know it's the end thing but the I was scaling doing is big right now right yeah scaling's huge and i was doing it in 90 you know 96 97 so um, but that was my, my break, you know, and then I got to review a Timia F-150, 
uh, and a couple other things. I think there was a Schumacher car in there, and but I didn't care if it was junk. It didn't matter to me. It was my name in that magazine, and I got to be a part of it, and it was huge to me. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and being a reader ride, I remember that. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I could never get in reader's rides, and I was to end up being the guy throwing out reader's rides. Isn't that funny? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So what are the, the, some of the craziest builds that you did while you were there? Because um, you, you had a pretty long span. Yeah, there was a lot them. of stuff. Yeah, I started with them oh, as a contributor around 90, you know, 96, 97. Full-time, I started in uh, 99. September of 99 was my first, um, first round with them. I quit in 2012 to go do some stuff at Horizon. Came back 2014. And then I just recently quit again. So yeah, it's quite a few years. I think 19 years total as a full-time employee of, of Air Age and, and Car Action. Wow. But yeah, I mean, I built all kinds of stuff. Um, before I was a full-time uh, guy, uh, one of the editors wanted me to build a monster truck with flame shooting out of it. Um, so I built that and it did work, but the problem was we shot the photos on a day where it was 10 degrees outside. So I couldn't get the flames no bigger than a lighter. Uh, yeah, you know, and unfortunately, we just we had to move forward. Right, deadlines don't move, and and uh, that was all we had. But uh, but when I tested it, the flame was a good two feet high. Wow! You know? So unfortunately, we didn't get the full effect of the flames in that truck. Um, you know, I built a eighteen wheeler that I have here, a nitro powered eighteen wheeler. Yeah, let's see that. I want to yeah, see that thing. This is uh, when the OS four stroke became popular. Um, so I decided to build a nitro powered eighteen wheeler um the thing just is just for the sound of it or well because it was different okay. and cool and there had been nitro powered uh 18 wheelers shown in the magazine before but they were two stroke um with a four stroke you don't need a tuned exhaust so that just allowed me to have the work in stacks those actually so it, work yeah so it has os four stroke in it and working exhaust wow. and this exhaust system was done by uh, I, I think it's named, I think you say it as tie, tie pipes. Okay. Uh, he used to have these crazy side pipes with like mufflers on them. And if you look at the pipes on here, those mufflers look pretty familiar. Um, so he made the pipe for me. Um, but then, yeah, underneath, uh, it's hard to see, but there's one tank here. That was the fuel tank. So the tanks on the side actually held the fuel. The other side had a tank too, but it was too heavy and broke off. That was supposed to be for a smoke unit. Um, the front suspension, you can see that's a, it's a four link front suspension now which don't ask me why I did it. I just wanted it to be different. And the rear has a four link suspension as well. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it wanted to be different. And the wheels are from a sedan that's from hardcore racing. I modified them to work on the truck. Um, and also in the center is a, well, it's a combination of, of multiple transmissions. It's, if you can see up front, there's a three speed from a Kyosho Mad Force. There's a reverse mechanism from an HPI Savage and up front dual disc brakes. Um, yeah, a lot of work went into it and, uh, you know, unfortunately this paint does not hold up well to nitro. So yeah. you can see the, the roof melting has a, a little, <laughs> yeah, the bubbling. roof didn't really hold up, but, uh, but the only problem I had with the truck, it worked, it even, you know, it, it worked fine and I got a trailer for it and everything, but it overheated. Uh, even though I had a fan on it, it still got too hot. And that was the problem with the OS engines at the time. They, they wanted to do the four stroke thing and they had a couple cars that did it. We even did some projects with it. Uh, I dropped a four-stroke engine in a, a T-Max, and we dropped one in a RC10 GT, and they worked, but they just didn't hold up as far as heat goes. Okay. So that was the only problem. But this thing with the smoke coming out and everything was the sickest thing ever, oh, and the man. trailer's covered in oil, and you know, I saw the trailer, too. <laughs> nice. 
Oh, that's yeah. that makes it even more scale realism right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Black in rad. front of the trailer yeah. there. Yeah, if you go on my Facebook page for my hobby shop, there's uh, there are some pictures of the chassis somewhere. Okay. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, sick truck. Loved it. And I still have it. Yeah, all these years. That's awesome. Yeah. So when did you start getting into the um, the monster truck scene? I, I know you said that the magazine got your attention right away because it had a monster truck on it, and then you got a Clodbuster. Um, but since then, you've made your own monster trucks. You've done a whole bunch of stuff. What did that start with um, for you as far as getting into really making a bunch of custom stuff? Uh, yeah, the custom stuff kind of came about a, a little here, a little there. I, I, you know, there was things that I wanted to do with my trucks that I, I couldn't do because there wasn't anything available. So I, I kind of started, uh, making stuff here and there. Uh, one of the things I did early in my career was I invested in a Miller machine lathe combo from Smithy. Um, and quite honestly, it's a terrible machine. It's junk. <laughs> you know, and the, the tolerances are way off and, uh, it does not do a good job, but it does what I needed to do to make the things that I want to make. So you at least prototype of things, some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I did early on was make a chassis that ended up being on the Tamiya TXT1. Oh. So this is this is the actual chassis that I machined um, on my machine for the TXT1. And I had these cantilevered shocks. The Bennett equipment, Collada lever was popular at the time. So I kind of used a similar setup in the rear. Um, and then this truck, when it was complete, and I still have the parts, by the way. I'm going to put it back together. Um, I sent it to Japan. And one of the cool things they did was they messed around with this sway bar design. Um, while it was there so i left it on there i thought it was cool that tamiya put that on and that they were trying things out when they were doing the txt1 oh wait um, so, so they actually built the txt1 based off of that yes yep yeah oh, it's wow. based on this truck so so i built here's the story so, so when so, was that when did that get released then man i don't remember the date it was around early 2000 okay um because i was still new at car action at the time so they introduced the Tamiya juggernaut, right? And, yep. and I was disappointed. I got to be a part of that review before I was a full-time employee, which I thought was awesome. And I looked at the truck and I said, why are they doing this? This is old technology. We need a four-link suspension, blah, blah, blah. So my goal was to take the TXT1, or sorry, the juggernaut, and turn it into a four-link truck. Well, I started working on the idea and started making parts. You know, like I said, I got the lay of the milling machine now. I can make a lot of stuff. Then they discontinued it. And I said, well, why bother now? It's gone. Well, then they came out with the Juggernaut 2. And I said, okay, cool. It's on like Donkey Kong. So I started working <laughs> on my four-link truck. You know, got the chassis milled. And it's all milled by hand. There's no CNC action there. That took a lot of, you know, hours of just milling and machining and pocketing, all kinds of crazy stuff wow. to do it right. Um, I started putting it together. And I got a rolling chassis together. I got uh, motors in it. Uh, and it was almost done. Uh, and then Tamiya caught wind of it. They heard about the truck. Um, and I guess they were, you know, having problems with the juggernaut because they had the issue with the first version with the transmission or drivetrain holding up. Um, and that was kind of hurting them. So I think they wanted to make a major change at that point. So they asked me to bring my truck. The, the Chicago hobby show was a big show at the time. You know, it's not really a thing anymore. Um, they asked me to bring my truck to the Chicago hobby show and I'll never forget meeting with them. I, I took my truck, I brought it to the lobby and a bunch of Tamiya engineers circled around me. <laughs> and we talked about my truck. And one of the guys that was there, not only was Mr. Tamiya there, which was incredible. Yeah. Uh, but one of the guys that was there designed the bruiser. And I almost got on my knees and shook his hand. I mean, it was it was unbelievable sitting with that guy, you know. So um, And is it Tamiya or is it Tamaya? 
It's uh, Tamiya. Tamiya, yeah. that's how I yeah. said. Okay, good. Yeah. Tamiya. And you've yeah, met people them, can say it so, wherever they want. I know. Yeah, right? I've, I've, yeah. I'm I, just so, curious. So since you've met them, if they were saying it a certain way or what? Yeah. Tamiya. So, um, you know, I met with them in the lobby. We talked about the truck and I explained everything and why I did it and all that stuff. And they asked me to send it to them. So I packed it up, sent it to Japan. They had it for probably a month or two uh, so they could do some testing and try some things out. And we all know that the TXT one, when it finally came out, isn't exactly what I worked on. Um, but what are you going to do? You know, they didn't listen to everything I said. And, um, so part of the deal was that I got to go to Japan and be a part of the end of the truck, you know, and, and see the final product and all that. So I got to fly to Japan and visit Tamiya, you know, and I actually it's spent a cool the week place. there. I didn't get to go to Tamiya, but Japan is sweet. Yeah, Japan was awesome. Oh, I, I really enjoyed Japan, Japan a lot. Um, and uh, Tamiya, I went on a tour of the Tamiya facility multiple times just because I was able to. I didn't care if I already saw that section or that section. But every time it was a new thing I got to see, um, you know, including a, an old bruiser sitting in the corner before they re-released it. You know, it's all kinds of crazy stuff. They were getting ready for the Shizuoka Hobby Show. So there were there were guys detailing tanks. They were holding on to them, detailing tanks in this one room. I'll never forget that. Um, but Man. I got to meet Mr. Tamiya. I got to hang out with Mr. Tamiya. I got to have dinner with Mr. Tamiya, you know, and all that. And got to see their manufacturing facility. Um, and how big is it? Is it massive? Like yeah. Because yeah, I know, like, I tried when I was there to go. I was going to have, like, a day off. But it was going to be a, quite a train ride. Um, and then you had to, like, have a scheduled permit. Like, you had to ahead of time schedule for a tour or something like that. I mean, yeah. you didn't because you were there yeah. with them, but yeah, I was there with them and they, they wanted me to be there, but I got to see it in their massive lobby. on the, yeah. the map. A, yeah. It was a factory and everything. I mean, it wasn't just a, yeah. a building where they design stuff. So I got to go all over the building. The lobby has a, a whole bunch of stuff on display and models and RC cars and so on. And that was incredible and full size cars. And, um, so one of the things with the, to me, a TXT one is we're, we're standing in the conference room. And the truck's there, and I'm like, you guys got to do something about this, this, and this. And, but it was too late. I mean, the truck was done. Yeah. You know, so I was like, well, I wish they talked to me ahead of time, but what are you going to do? Uh, but the cool thing about it was is I got to be a part of the body design or the paint job design. Oh, okay. um, so I, I got to, we, we were also covering the Shizuoka hobby show at the time. So what I did was I met with them in their booth at the Shizuoka hobby show. And we went in this little conference room and they would pull the truck out of a bag and, you know, all the parts and we would discuss the paint job and the, you know, so I got to be a part of the, the paint job of the truck and the name of the truck. Okay. Uh, and the thing that kills me the most, and not a lot of people know this, and to this day I regret it, they wanted to put my name on the truck. Um, and I said no because I thought it was a conflict and it would get me in trouble like an idiot. I should have said, let me get back to you on that and let me find out. So Conflicts instead, be damned. My yeah, name is going on that truck. I should have done it. I regret <laughs> it to this day. The one thing we did do, though, is I told them, I said, look, I got a nickname. You know, Hinge Boy, Derek from Velocity gave me that name because I used to put hinges on everything. And yeah. I, I am back to that now. I'm doing that again. Um, and I said, Hinge they call that me Hinge truck. Boy. Yeah, they call me Hinge Boy. So they put HB Racing on it. So okay. that stands for Hinge Boy Racing. If you ever see it to me, a TXT1 that says HB Racing, that's me. But nice. yeah, I could have had my actual name on the TXT1 monster truck from to me. Like, what the heck did I say no for? What a dummy. And then it ended up being in the magazine that I did it. So it's like, yeah, you're killing me. Yeah. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> yep. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. Go but that back was in the, time on that one. Yeah. Right. I wish I could, but that's that's kind of the start of the custom building for me as far as the monster trucks goes. You know, I, I took a juggernaut too and turned it into what I wanted it. To okay. Be. So that was the yeah. first one. You have other builds that you've done. Do you have any other ones sitting with you there? Yeah. Well, monster I got trucks? mostly monster trucks. Um, but we could talk about 
Well, well do you have another this. monster truck there? Yeah. So let's see it. That's me. I wanted to yeah, show you. So this is. Um, I remember that one. I read that article, and that's what yeah. got me pumped. So this is like the third version of my Yeti monster truck. So quick story. I went to um, I went to Axial's uh, office to look at the Yeti when it came out. And when they put the Yeti on the conference room table, I saw the rear tubular section and the rear suspension and all. I said, you guys have a monster truck right there. You don't even know it. And they were interested in what I wanted to do. Um, and they thought it was a cool idea. So I asked for a ton of parts, uh, basically two Yetis and some other parts to put it together. And I built a solid axle monster truck out of a Yeti. So I took the two rear sections of the Yeti, put them together, and then, you know, attach the four link and everything. And I made a custom, um, this one's very similar to what I did, but I made a custom plate on the bottom, custom plate on top to get the transmission mounted and, uh, made so a monster truck. So that's a different transmission than the SMT 10s. That's not, yeah. a, that's not, yeah, this AX10 is the one. Nope, not line. an AX 10. Nope. It's a actual Yeti transmission. Okay. Um, I'd show it to you if it wasn't buried. Um, so what I did was I, took the rear has put them together, bolted them up. And again, you know, magazine deadlines don't move. So I had to rush to get it done. It was, there was no like, eh, I don't really like that or no, that's not going to work. Right. So I, you know, hammered it out. And one of the things I did too, which, which ended up being not a good idea, but uh, I wanted to learn. Um, a lot of people at the time were using the air 60 axles and putting clod sized tires on them. Right. So I said, yeah. well, maybe that'll work for me. You know, everybody's doing it. So it must be okay. Meanwhile, I'm pretty sure in my mind that it's not okay because the axles are so small and so on. So I built the truck with clod sized tires. Um, We're still doing and, that, by the way. I have yeah, several I know, of those I, trucks. I, I know. <laughs> I know. And all my customers that come in the store, I explain to them why they shouldn't run a clod tire on that axle. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do, right? So beef tubes help a lot, but. Yeah, but not enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the diffs still so, don't like it. Yeah, they still don't like it. So what I did, um, so I had it that way. And I had the loose uh, chassis, the, the flexible chassis and all that. In the backyard, the truck was incredible. It was the, the one of the greatest solid axle monster trucks I ever had at the time. Um, and if you watch the video, which should still be on YouTube, uh, my car action video, truck looks a little rough. The problem always with car action was is we would do the photos. Like I would literally finish the truck before I walked out the door. We would shoot the photos, which is just run it quick, run it quick, run it quick. And then we turn on the video camera and get video. So I've had... No time behind the wheel of the truck. I had no time on the track. You know, hadn't so it driven it awful. yet, so you don't know how yeah, it handles. It. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I always had to do videos like that, and I used to make me mental. But in the backyard, it soaked up bumps and jumps very well. I loved it. I took it to Digger's Dungeon and raced it, and I learned very quick that that was not the setup. Mm. It was awful on the track. It spun out. It had too much suspension travel. So that's where this chassis came into play. So I, I sat oh, so down that's actually said, a new chassis from yeah, what you had Yeah, this is a different developed. chassis. Yeah. Yep. So I developed this chassis to make it a lot more stiff. And when it came to racing, it was much better. Much, much better. But So you had it set up more like a basher truck in the beginning. Yeah, but I thought it would be okay for racing, quite yeah. honestly. Again, this is through the years of doing all this stuff, you learn every time. And even with my you know latest truck that I've done, I still learn. You know, I still right. want to try some different things and all that. Um, so it, it didn't work, made this chassis. And then I ended up racing this at, uh, monster jam world finals in Vegas twice. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I learned was that these axles do not hold up. That's why I have 2.2 inch tires on here now. And when I raced this at, um, 
the four-link nationals it did much better it was a much nicer truck to drive with the smaller tires suspension worked perfectly everything worked great the only downside was is i spun out one of the turns somehow it was awfully yeah. slick and the truck went wild and <clears throat> and so never... these uh, for people that don't know the different <clears throat> tires puts you in different classes right yeah yeah so when yep. you first raced at the diggers dungeon and you realized the setup was wrong what were other people racing if the smt 10 wasn't out yet I don't even remember. A lot of um, modified Cloudbusters? A lot of Cloudbusters, most likely, and probably a couple TXTs in there. And I know okay. some guys were running Kyosho Mad Force trucks, but they were, like, illegal uh, because they were so good suspension-wise. And, and I use that word, you know, good loosely. Um, but, yeah, so that's probably what well, was running at the time. Well, and uh, probably Red Cat, Ground Pounders. There was a lot of modified versions of those, yeah? I don't, I don't know if they were available at that time. Oh, okay. I don't know if that, yeah, this was quite a few well, years. Well, Ground Pounders came out in 2012 or 2013. Oh, okay, so maybe they weren't running those. I don't really know. I'm not familiar with them, um, believe it or not. But uh, this truck would have been raced in 2015, so okay. the first time, yeah. That's when I first raced so it, I knew but, when uh, I first started, there was still quite a few Red Cats kind of in the mix and um, something else. I don't remember what the other one. Oh, yeah, Wheelie King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Modified right. Wheelie yep. Kings yep. is what Wheelie was Kings. the other thing that I saw. Like heavily modified Wheelie Kings. Yeah, yeah. Um, but okay. Yeah, so that was probably what was racing. But you know, the 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 thing about the shaft driven solid axle trucks for me was was I liked how the suspension worked in them, and I liked that you only need one speed control, one motor. You know, it's very simple, it's very basic. Cloudbusters to this day. You know, I, I just don't feel like they're right for racing. But there are a lot of guys that swear by them. And, and they and win with them. That, and they win with <laughs> they them, exactly. Win with them. Yeah, but for me, yeah. I like the, the shaft-driven trucks at this point. I think they're better. The I'm better with you there. Go. I yeah. couldn't. The control is way different. And uh, I had one, um, a Clodbuster one that was based off of a, uh, um, <laughs> why am I blanking on his name? Crawford mm -hmm. uh, chassis. And a CPE chassis, and I couldn't drive it. I ended up just—I literally parted it out. It had nice Hess axles and everything. So uh, Jason Saunders has those now. I don't know what I did with the rest of it, but um, <laughs> uh, he ended up with that truck after uh, one of the World Finals. I took it there, and I just—I couldn't drive it. I prefer yeah, the it's shaft a different driven. animal. Yeah, I, I, I like the shaft driven trucks. Like I said, I just think they're. They're they're cheaper to build in a way because of the electronics, um, yep. you know. And if you get the sway and there's less enough, the, you know. to go wrong electronically when you you have the two that have to be matched front and rear, yep, and exactly. And yep. some of them clock them different to try and pull more for in the front. And I'm mm -hmm. just like, I don't want to deal with any of that. Yeah, there's stuff. a lot to it. Yeah, and you know when I worked, ran at the Monster Year Final World Finals, I also ran a Clodbuster with twin brushless systems in it, and it gave me nothing but problems. You know, I couldn't do well because I couldn't get the truck to run when I needed it to, and so on. Um, so. But I still believe in it. I actually developed a chassis and suspension system for it, but I want to work on it a little bit more. But I just have to, you know, get this store up and running. That's really priority right now. So everything's kind of on hold uh, while the store gets up and running. But um, we'll get back to that maybe eventually to do the Clawbuster chassis and, and see if I can get one produced. Okay. Um, very cool. So you went from that one and you've upgraded uh your builds to uh the smt 10 came out mm -hmm. and uh, you have a new chassis that you were working on with that so you don't you don't just sit still with anything that comes out it seems like to me you're you're somebody that likes to really figure out yeah how to so, make things work different and better and for you and 
Yeah, I, I kind of have an engineering mind, right? You know, a long time ago in high school, I took engineering, or not engineering class, but drafting classes and so on. And I loved it. I'd go in there and, and draw things on the computer. And I got friendly with the shop teacher. So I was able to go into the shop room uh, during study hall and machine parts and make parts because that was my thing. It's like, well, that could be better. That could be better. And as I got to car action, it was whatever I wanted to do. Didn't yeah. matter. I had a, a, a blank check. You know, I could build whatever I wanted out of whatever I wanted and, and so on. So now everything that comes out, I'm like, why would you do that? Why would you do that? You know, and and uh, I like to improve on things and I like to make things, you know, different. So that's awesome. Yeah. So what was it when the SMT 10 came out and then you started 3D printing parts? How did you get to? So there's several iterations in your RC I guess journey you're in the hobby from being a kid to uh, seeing RC car action to working at car action to working with Tamiya on the TXT. I didn't even know about that. Um, even until right now when he said it, um, then you worked on the, the Yeti build, but you now have a hobby shop. So wh where's it all gone from um, kind of from that, that build there with the SMT 10, you've been doing some 3d printed parts um, what, what are you doing in RC currently? I would say, well, currently we got a huge project coming up, you know, that'll be announced very soon. Uh, so that'll be interesting when that hits, but that, that's a culmination of, of all the years of me doing this monster truck stuff. You know, like I said, every time I've done something, I've learned something. I never, one, I never listen to what people say online ever. I yeah. figure it out for myself. I feel like, and I tell my customers that too, when it comes to setup. Uh, and, and things like that. I say it's best that you learn what these things do and make the changes that you need for you. So that's what I've done. I've learned through the years about all this stuff, uh, set up and so on. And um, yeah, you know, it's 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 coming around. Uh, you know, so this this thing that I'm working on is is huge. Uh, it has all of the things that I've learned through the years uh, in it. Uh, and also has some things that I wasn't able to do because of manufacturing, uh, you know, restrictions that I have. I can only do so much, you know, I, I got a milling machine, a lathe, CNT router, do some 3D print work, but you still can't make a production part, right? It's still, I can't make an injection molded this or, you know, that or whatever. And 3D printed parts are, you know, depending on what you do, are not strong enough, yeah. you know, so, uh, and they're also very expensive. Um, yep. So, so this thing I'm working on is, is, is pretty incredible. Um, but also I've been, I've been working on my truck. Uh, my design and I'm, I've got it to the point where I'm pretty happy with uh, the result. Um, so this is the, the result of many years of making monster trucks. And this is my truck from the ground up. Um, it wouldn't exist without 3d printed parts. Cause I needed to do caps for the axles. I needed to do a transmission, um, you know, but you know, and I had some other parts made because I was just tired of being restricted. So like the lower links, you know, I had a, a you know, a guy make those for me just because if I did, it would take me forever. Yeah. And I just didn't want to do it, you know? And so are those different links than other ones that are already out and available, or you just wanted your own, uh, made ones on it as well? Uh, no, I designed them a little bit different where the, where the rod ends or, or the screws are, are separate from the part. Okay. Um, so there's a hole, a through hole. So if you bend the screw, you just take the screw out and replace it. You don't have to replace the whole piece or spend a ton of time getting the screw oh, out. It or, literally just thread it in from the yeah, back. It's, it's oh, just, yeah, there's that's a straight a through hole right there and you just change the screw. You don't worry about Instead ever Instead of having that little thread in thread with the tap on the inside, that's yeah, a pain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. None of that stuff. So this is much easier to change if you bend a screw. 
you know, and it has the Traxxas rod ends, which, you know, well, we're pretty strong, but we can see what we're working on. And then, you know, my axles, I've been working on the design of my axles for many years. This is the, the latest version of my axles with the Traxxas uh, internals. Um, and they've been holding up well and they look good and there's tons of adjustment and they're lightweight. And you could actually pull the differential out. Uh, it's hard to show here, but six screws, four screws to get the cap off, two screws to get the drive shafts out and the differential comes out. Don't have nice. to remove the axle from the truck, the tires from the truck, nothing. So you know. some people will look at what you're holding up and they'll see a uh, a spur gear sticking out the side or a oh, slipper yeah. assembly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what would be the benefit of that? I can tell you one thing that looks amazing is it would be much easier to set your mesh right there <laughs> on the fly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the whole idea behind this was to get the motor mounted perpendicular to the center line of the truck to not eliminate but reduce torque twist. And technically... The truck wants to twist in the forward position. So technically, when you're on power, it's applying pressure to the front tires. Front tires. Ah. Technically. Keep the wheels down, too. Yeah. Well, it doesn't really. I mean, there's so much power there. But uh, that's the theory is that the twist from the drive from the motor will help sort of put pressure on the front tires and and give you a little bit more front traction. Um, But, yeah, I've been working on this design for years. Uh, I also have the original. um, I saw those axles in person for the first time. Hmm. Before COVID hit, or maybe it was just starting and they were allowed to do one last race and somebody brought down a set from, I think Richmond um, is where it's coming from. And he had like one of your whole builds yeah, like that with it. I think it. there's a guy, yep. Yeah. And they were pretty, pretty awesome. I, I saw him sitting there, I'm like, well, what are those? And I, yeah. I didn't recognize them uh, from pictures I'd seen online. Uh, I'm sorry, I was looking at my cats over there about ready to mess with my camera, so... Like, what are you doing? Um, but uh, yeah, it's an impressive, impressive truck. That's yeah, for sure. It, you know, yeah, super lightweight axles. Even though they're out of aluminum, it doesn't matter. They're lightweight. This is the the very first version of the axle that I did years and years ago. Uh, I wanted pivot ball suspension because I thought it might be cool to be able to adjust a caster or a camber. Yeah, yeah camber. Um, in the end, I never even did anything with it. But it also with the pivot ball, you could adjust the width of the axle. Right. So my thought was to have a narrow front end or a narrow rear end with a wider front end, so you could help get around the corners a little bit better and, and miss cones and so on. But this is uh, these axle housings, believe it or not, were machined by a guy who worked at Traxxas. Hmm. Uh, he was a machinist at the Traxxas uh, prototyping room, we'll call it. And I met him on my, one of my visits to Traxxas. And he made these housings for me. Just the housing itself, I made everything else poorly uh, out of Delrin. Um, but again, you know, the differential comes out. Um, so I made some blocks in there. You can see this one because the cap's missing. Yep. But the differential comes out, no problem, just like the other truck. And uh, When yeah, would this, this have been? Like circa what? Oh, man. This was, uh, what was it, 2007, okay. 2006? I can't remember exactly. I think around 2007. We did the article on this. Perpendicular, you know, perpendicular amount of motors. Um, same thing with the you know spur gear on the side. And I've never had a problem with the spur gear failing. A lot of people are like, "Oh my god, that's exposed." It's never been an issue. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, if you look at a lot of today's uh, race cars, they don't even have a, a cover on their gears anymore because yeah. the gears are so low. I guess a lot but, of times uh, I take off the gear covers even on my SMT tens. Yeah. It's just like one more thing to get at. Yep. And if you see the front steering, I was wanting to do something a little bit different. Again, I was learning, so I was trying some things out. And this has a dual bell crank steering system. I wanted to be able to adjust Ackerman. Yeah. Um, so I, I can tell you what, I would destroy that front end. Yeah. Well, I hold up pretty well. Yeah. I, I, ra- I raced this at the monster or at the world finals at uh, diggers dungeon. And I think I came home third. Okay. Um, so, and, and again, 
rushed. I, I, I literally drove it around my basement one lap to make sure it worked, packed it up and head down to Digger's Dungeon, raced it and got third place. So that's awesome. Um, it, it, it was a proven, you know, proven to be pretty good. Um, but you know, again, through the years of learning, I wanted to try different things. So that's where the new truck comes in. You know, I, I, I know about spring rates and run into things stuff. head on. So yeah, <laughs> having exposed yeah, stuff that front that. would, would be yeah. bad for me. But, um, so what, where do you see, uh, Hetmansky hobbies and everything going, going forward? Like it's, you've had an awesome up to now. Like I can only see like going further. It seems like things are just building and the hobbies growing in a lot of ways right now, but also, you know, the uh, ability to develop is getting easier, I guess. In some oh yeah, ways. for sure. Yeah. So I mean, there's, there's so much going? technology available. Yeah. Like, like development of vehicles is easier and easier thanks to, you know, companies like Shapeways and, uh, you know, and people offering like, I, I have a Stepcraft uh, CNC router and anybody can get a Stepcraft CNC router for a reasonable price. I went ahead and bought the biggest one I could because I want to be able to do other things besides RC cars. That's why I did that. But, um, you know, there's a lot available, a lot out there and people are starting to learn, you know, thanks to YouTube and all these other things. And they're learning about what they can do and so on and so on. And more people are coming out with their own designs and own things. And I think it's awesome for the hobby. It's really, really good. Um, I'm actually going to uh, look into possibly getting a, a higher end 3D printer for the shop. Yeah. So you'll be able to give me files and I'll be able to print them for you, kind of like Shapeways does, but much less money, hopefully. Um, and then, you know, if you come to my store, you can watch the 3D printer work. Or if you're local and you have a part that you need done, we'll throw up my 3D printer and we can do that too. So that's a, an idea. I got my milling machine to lathe in the shop. So if we need to modify any parts, again, it's not the accurate, most accurate machine, but we can modify parts if you need to. Um, I want to do things that you can't get at other hobby shops, right? The hobby is hands-on. The hobby is making things, doing things, and so on. And you could do that by coming to my hobby shop. You can't do that to, by going to most. And I've been in a lot of hobby shops, I can tell you. In all honesty, you can't get a lot of the stuff that you'll be able to get here. And that's what's going to make it different. But I want to make my own parts. I want to have my own tools. I'm going to have a wall of stuff in my shop that you can come and get um, direct from me. Um, and, and, yeah, and the list goes on. I mean, there's that's a lot awesome. that can be done, a lot of potential. So yeah, we're just getting started, too. So, you know, really, I'm very at the very beginning. Yeah. What? How long have you been going? Almost a year? Almost a year now. Yeah. A the year? 15th of this month will be a full year. And uh, we've come a long way, but there's a long way to go. You know, um, you don't just build a business in a year. You know, no, we have a, a no. lot more to do. Uh, I have a photo table that I have in the shop for people. If they want to take pictures of their stuff, we can put it on the photo table and get nice, beautiful fuck shots. I use it for my stuff. Um, you know, I'm going to have, uh, hopefully, uh, eventually I'll be able to do, uh, you know, build for people. If you want me to build you a monster truck or build this or build that, paint jobs, custom body work, all these different things. But we just have to get there. So it's more yeah. than just buying stuff off the shelf. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want people to come in here just to buy something. I want people to come in here to have an experience, right? You go to Bass Pro Shop because it's awesome, yeah, right? And yeah. you also buy stuff while you're there. Well, I want the same thing for my shop. I want my shop to stand out. I don't want it to be, you know, uh, I don't like like a Home Depot, you know, where you yeah. just go in and grab something and walk out. I want you to get advice and get help and, and, and everything. It's going to be incredible. Well, and they get to see some of your custom stuff, too, because well, yeah. you have it on display. So. Like I yeah. go in and I just look at the, the boxes and what's new coming out and people come into your shop. They get to see some stuff that's been built and what you can do yeah. with just parts and, uh, and imagination. Um, do you do any crawler type stuff or? Yeah, I do crawlers too. Um, one of the things I built years ago and I'm, I'm actually going to do it again. I got to find time. I have 
25 projects on my list but but this is a crawler that i built years ago um that's just cool. be, you know again i wanted something different so the body on this truck this is an scx 10 uh the original version of the scx 10 it entire, looks like a mix of a few things with the body there that's cool yeah the the everything on this body is handmade or 3d printed except for these these fenders right here but the body is made out of sheet plastic i wanted to do something different i wanted to build it by hand so the body is made with sheet plastic um and then stuff like the bumper and the pipes and the roll bar are 3d printed the bed itself uh is the sheet machined. plastic for some people if you, if you want to know would be like styrene some people call yeah, it styrene plastic so this is probably yeah. Uh, 20,000 thick um, sheet plastic that the, the whole entire front end was formed over a buck to get the curves just right because there's a couple angles here and curves and so I made a buck out of balsa wood and I glued 20,000 thick sheet plastic to it and just put multiple layers on there till I got the right thickness and then I took the buck out you know I just uh, scraped all the balsa wood out and now I have all my curves and everything's pretty wow. much perfect and the nose is 3d printed because I, I got a 3d printer and, and uh, did that with the 3d printer uh, the bed's machined out of a plate of aluminum, and then I put a wood insert in there. That's uh, very nice. So for yeah, the so windows, this, is that um, just Lexan scraps that are glued to the inside? Yeah, so they're, the Lexan scraps are glued to the outside. I actually oh, the put outside. a lip around the window, and then oh. those little rivets are, are little pins. I just cut the heads off the pins and glued them in to make little rivets. You know what you're going to have to do with this in the next one, right? What? Hinges. Uh, no, I'm doing well. <laughs> I'm doing that. <laughs> I, I'm the next crawler that I want to do. That's going to be all handmade body wise and all is going to be, um, is going to be pretty epic. Um, I don't want to say what it is cause I don't want anybody taking my idea, but okay. it's something that, that, no, that nobody's really doing. That's why I want to do it. Cause international scouts have been done. Jeeps have been done, yeah. you know, all that stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to hand make the body, make my own chassis, make my own suspension. I thought about doing my own axles too, but I have some capo, uh, axles out of the, uh, I forget what it's make called. Make your own suspension. Interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna make all that stuff. Uh, so the, let me ask on that one before we go too far, yeah. which looks awesome. What is that based on? Is that a axial or that's a, axial SCX10, an original SCX10. original SCX10. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we we turned it. I turned it into a little bit of a project truck. Put some some aftermarket stuff on it. You know, Robinson Racing spur gear. I got a Novak crawler system in it and things yeah. like that. But uh, you know, but the body is really what uh, what shines. Um, but yeah, the the next truck will be um, pretty awesome. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about it, but I, again, I get so many projects that I want to build and that are in the works and so on that I, I just can't get to it yet. So it's going to be a minute. Um, I'm working on a, a, a scale. Let's see if I can find room for this. Um, I'm working on a scale monster truck right now. This is something I've been wanting to build for a long time. And I started this, um, believe it or not, in a, in a different form. I started this in 2014. Okay. Uh, I drew a quick chassis. It was actually Thanksgiving Day. I didn't feel like watching the parade, so I drew a, a monster truck chassis. And this is not the chassis. The chassis I designed was going to be uh, based on just a straight C-channel uh, and have some Tamiya parts and so on. But then um, through the years, I said, geez, I, I want to do something a little bit more intricate and more involved. Uh, and I had a guy that was making parts at the time, so I said, well, let's do Excalibur. Um, so this chassis, if you look at the chassis and then look at a picture of the Excalibur chassis is pretty much identical to the wow. Excalibur chassis. So the only problem with this was, is again, I had a rush because I was worried that my machinist would not be there anymore. So either he would lose his job or he would move on to a different company. And he eventually did move on to a different company. Okay. So I, <laughs> I drew this up very quickly, 
uh, and had him make the frame rails. So he he made these frame rails. And then while I was at it, I just had him water jet these pieces out too because it just saved me tons of time. And then I made this bottom piece. But this is an exact replica of the Excalibur chassis. These are 3D printed parts that I designed to look like the plates on the back of the truck and the plates on the front of the truck. Wow. Um, and then you mentioned the hinge boy thing. Well, yeah, that's what I'm doing too. So the body, uh, I don't have it near me. The body started off as an RC four-wheel drive blazer. I chopped it all up. So the nose has been cut off and that's going to tilt like the real truck. The cab has opening doors and a full interior. Uh, and I made my own hinges for that to make it work properly. And then the bed will sit in place that doesn't tilt on the full size truck. So right. that'll stay in place, but that's where I'm going to hide the battery, the speed control and all the electronics. And then in this thing, uh, I don't have more a of a show enough. truck. Yeah. I really wanted to kind of show off what I can do. Right. Yeah. So not just, it's not for a pat on the back, but I own a store. Yeah. So I want people to come in and go, holy cow, we could do that. And yeah, you can, you know, yeah. you, you could do it by this, this, and this. And if you can't do it yourself, you get to a spot that you can't, you know, maybe get past, bring it in. I help you get past it and then you can move on and so on. So this is more of a, this is what we do at Mansky Hobbies kind of thing. I need to move um, to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, it'll, this truck will run. But I almost guarantee you, if I get on it hard, the axles will break. So I just have a stock motor in yeah, it. Yeah, just tool around. Um, just yeah, like just a show a little, truck now, right? Exactly, yeah. The shocks, the suspension, just like a full-size truck, so stiff it doesn't work. So the shocks will be 3D printed so they look right. Because um, most shocks today, these scale shocks don't look like scale shocks. Yeah. Um, so I'm doing stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be incredible. The V8 engine, I designed a bunch of 3D printed parts for it to have a blower assembly on it. And I did it out of the fine detail plastic from Shapeway. So it's got ultra detail in it. Um, it's going to be incredible. So that's what I'm working on now. Once I get that truck done, I have to get like four others built and then hopefully by April, it'll all be done. And then I can start on some stuff. There's a scale event. And I you're running a called. hobby shop while you do oh, all of this. Oh yeah. I'm running a hobby <laughs> shop too. Uh, there's a, a scale event in Florida, um, every year in February. I forget what it's called. It's like U T S T something. U S T E. Yeah. U S T E. So I'm yeah. planning on going to that. I'm trying to my, get there. Yeah, I want to go not this spring, but the following, you know, spring when yeah. they have it. And, and my goal for that is to have my new scale truck with the handmade body and handmade chassis and all. And also I'm building a, another Ford Aeromax. This time it'll be a dump truck. So I'm taking the Tumia Aeromax. I'm going to lower it a quarter inch, shorten it two inches, put a dump bed on it and give the front end kind of a Shelby Mustang look and then custom paint with ray stripes and uh, chins, you know, splitter and lights and so i'm hoping to bring those two to that event so that's my goal so we'll see what happens awesome yeah i got so many projects on the list it's like insane yeah so last question um is basically about the hobby overall and mm -hmm. uh where do you see it? like how do you think it's doing in 2020 what excites you about it uh and where things are heading with the uh, remote control cars in general uh, well, I mean, look, 2020 has been a very good year for our hobby industry, and that's not because of the hobby. It's because of what's going on right now. People are bored or people's, you know, they're pulling out their old stuff and they want to get it running. So they're buying RC cars up left and right. But the thing is, is at this point in time, the RC hobby or the hobby grade, you know, part of the, the hobby is uh, doing very well. It, it, the stuff is better than ever. Yep. You know, you're getting faster cars, you're getting cars that perform better, you're getting cars that are more durable, you're getting more options. There's there's so much going on. Um, I think there's a bright future for the hobby, and the hobby has always been around, right? Even from way back in the day till now, no matter what's been going on, the hobby's existed. There's there's always going to be a hobby out there. 
uh, or, or the radio control hobby out there. And, and, you know, as far as hobby shops goes, I, I think there's a future there too, because you can't really learn much by buying online. You, you buy something from online. What do you get? You get the product and that's it. But this yeah. isn't a uh, get your product and that's it kind of hobby. So there is room for hobby shops to 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 grow and improve. But the, we, we got to get people off their butts. And, you know, people actually need to say hello to their customers when they walk in the door. Things like that. You know, very simple. Yeah. Uh, Half of it for know. me is the experience of going in and hanging out with people and talking exactly. shop and, you yep. know. You know, and yeah. then while you're there, you usually buy something. So exactly. That's exactly what happens. You know, it's like my hobby shop. You come in, you see what 30 cars up on the wall, you know, that are, are all different cars and all different types and from different you know, eras and, and all that. And it gives you an idea of what is out there as far as the hobby goes. Most hobby shops you walk in, all you see is what you get in the box and that's it. And if they have a project, project truck at all they're usually poorly done so what all you need to do is step it up a little bit you know put a little effort into it and you can have a hobby shop worth going to you know because yeah. again online it's not going to teach you how to paint they're not going to teach you how to solder they're not going to fix the problem you're having with your car when it doesn't run right nothing they can't do that for you there is a place for online i totally believe in that and that's for the people that don't have access to a hobby shop yeah right so, you know, you have and that there's too, plenty but... of those people too, but yeah, yep. I'm always a fan of, if you've got one, like when you can, I, I shop local, you see me, I, I try and whenever I go post a picture or say something about being there because it's, I think it's super important to, to have it and it's good for the hobby and yeah, um, yeah. you know, it's good for just the community even. So, you know, and you go online. So half the time I, I go to my hobby shop and ask them if I don't know something, I go to somebody like that. There's a lot of stuff online, but there's a lot of opinions. Exactly. And so, um, I try to stick with one and I did the same thing when I was into like saltwater fish tanks. Like everybody has their way of doing certain things mm -hmm. with the saltwater tanks and, um, dosing it and all this stuff. But if you're doing everybody's things, you're going to mess it up. But if you stay yep. with one that's been working for somebody for a long time, mm -hmm. even if it's not how so-and-so says to do it and it works, for you. And you know, it's, that's how I try and do it. So when I try and get advice, I try and go through some of the same channels because that's they've inputted into other things that I've done. And so having a local shop that you can go to and that you can get that advice from, um, when you're having issues is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I had a guy come in uh, yesterday. As a matter of fact, he had a, a problem with his car, uh, didn't have a clue what was going on and turned out it was something very simple. You know, but he didn't know and he, he wouldn't be able to call up some online hobby shop and say, hey, my car's doing this, this and this. What the heck's wrong with it? They wouldn't have been able to help them. Yeah. You know, so there is a place for a hobby shop. Uh, I believe it 100 uh, percent. We just need the people to kind of step up their game and maybe, like I said, get off your butt and say hello when somebody walks in. Be friendly. This isn't your garage full of parts. You know, there are people here buying stuff and people here that need help and uh, be enthusiastic. I I mean, I'm enthusiastic. I love the hobby. I'm passionate about it and I get excited. I had a guy come in and buy an 18 wheeler. I was super excited, not because I was selling it, but because he was into the hobby and into yeah. the 18 wheeler. You know, I love it. It's great. That's awesome. Yeah. I need to get my truck out now. I got yeah. my semi over there. It's hard because I can't video it easy. Like, so much of mine is based on what I do is based on making videos. And what I can make videos on, but because it uses the old school radio mm -hmm. to do everything, yep. I can't also operate the camera at the same time. So I have like so little video of it running. Yeah. Um, and operating that radio is not exactly easy. I built a, a to me, a Volvo, got it done. We shot all the photos in the, in the, in a tennis court. And then I decided to drive it around and I drove it right into the boot of my, my boot. 
and I broke the whole front end. I had to rebuild uh, the entire thing. <laughs> but yeah, well, those thick and mine doesn't are have awful. it doesn't have the return to center, so I have to like oh, yeah, yeah. manually because I also <laughs> yeah. use it for planes, so I don't want mm-hmm. it to have that. Yeah, and so to go into reverse, I have to find center. Yeah, break center and then go back again. Uh, but I also have a really hard time with the the multiple speed transmission in it with going up and pushing over and it doesn't seem to be the happiest about finding that. Uh, maybe I don't have it tuned in right or whatever. Yeah. But. I don't think it's dialed in right, but yeah, they've worked for me and, and that truck. I don't really feel like you even need a three speed transmission. I think you just, <clears throat> or at least you don't need to shift it on the fly. If you're pulling some stuff, you just put it in the one gear and you're good to go. If you're driving around, put it in the other gear and you're good to go and that's it. Yeah. So the other one that I have is a single speed. <laughs> Yeah. yeah and that's what I'm i like, do that's I all i need on. yeah i leave them i don't even put a servo on them i just leave them in the second gear and call it a day yeah there you go yeah. well kevin thank you for uh coming on and doing this um, yeah no problem I had very fun. interesting i learned a lot about your history in the rc i had no idea about the tamia stuff yeah yeah um that's true so story that you can look that up yeah hb racing yep hb racing Call you Hinge Boy. <laughs> yeah, from now on. Yeah, that's a that's that's a name that kind of went away. I think it's going to come back with this next build that I'm working on. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Kevin, for coming on here. This has been uh, very interesting. I've learned a lot about uh, you and where you've come through the hobby from your first frog to car action to your hobby shop that you have now. The Tamiya thing was out of left field for me. I had yeah. no idea that yeah. you'd worked with them on the TXT and that is awesome. Actually. Mm-hmm. Um, the HB, yeah. Hinge boy. That's, I'm, I'm, I may start calling you that. Yeah, that's fine. I answer to whatever. So, well, anyway, thank you guys for tuning in as well. And, uh, we will catch you guys in the next episode.